We're in the last two weeks of our study in the book of James, and um, this book has been an incredible book for me. Um, if I can give just testimony, it's so easy for me um, to focus on our, my positional standing in Christ. That's a theological truth, and man, I've been preaching that to myself for the last seven or eight years. And if I'm not careful, um, I will Paul without James. Does everybody understand what I mean by that? If I'm not careful, I will Galatians without James. I'll Galatians all over the place. I'll scream and shout Galatians. But the book of James, I believe, is a crucial book in the New Testament because it says, hey, if you really believe all this theological truth, then, man, your life ought to reflect it. Hey, if you believe it, then you ought to project it. And um, it's real Christianity. It's being a more mature follower of Jesus Christ. Today's sermon... For all you high school musical fans, it's entitled We're All in This Together. I'll be performing that. I do look I know I look a lot like Zach Efron, but sorry to disappoint you today. He has a new Netflix special, doesn't he, Kelsey? <laughs> doesn't he, Hannah? But anyway. One of the few who's been able to to age into respectable life from a teen star. So anyway, but today's sermon is we're, that we are all in this together. And I, I want to say by way of introduction that I know that for the past seven to eight weeks since we've been in this location, while it's been really good and I've enjoyed it, I understand that there's like kind of a disjointedness feel. Um, I know you feel it because I feel it times 50. Um, and there's kind of this feel of like, we're not really sure, like how, how much can we like hang around and talk and like, how much do I communicate with people in person and what is their comfort level? I get that. Um, but I wanted to assure us this morning that you have peers and friends and fellow church members and fellow followers of Jesus this morning who are with you, who are in this with you. And I want us to make sure that as we um, proceed and as uh, w whenever we get back to more of a normalcy of life, that we understand that we're with each other and we're together and that you don't have to go through life alone. You don't have to go through your struggles alone. Struggles are bad enough if you've got a group of people around you. They're even worse when you're alone. And so today, I want to say that you have a friend, that you have friends, that you have support, that we are in this together with you. Our text this morning is James chapter 5. We're actually going to read beginning in verse 14. I know we preached on this last week. My first point today is somewhat of a recap of last week. James chapter 5 and verse 14 says, Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Heavenly Father, speak through your word today. Remove distractions. Remove anything that I would say that would get in the way of what you say. I pray that your word shine through this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Number one this morning, I want to jump right in. I understand the heat. I'm feeling it. The sun's actually coming on me, so y'all pray for me. All right. Number one, I want us to understand we're all in this together. Number one, we are together with church leadership. We are together as a church with church leadership. Remember, this is James speaking to Jews that were dispersed. And so he was speaking to different Jews that were attending different churches. Uh, they were dispersed throughout the land, and some were in certain cities, and some others were in other cities. <clears throat> and so, but they were in churches, and he says that if any is sick, let him call for the elders of the church. Can I say this morning, just to reiterate a little bit of what we talked about last week, that we believe in a God who heals. We believe in a God who heals. We believe that prayer moves God. We believe that prayer in faith moves mountains. We, do not, we will not shy away from that. We will continue to aggressively preach and practice that. In fact, as we move into a new series in the month of August, I believe Jeff has got the distinguished honor of, of speaking to a little bit even more of that um, as we study and prepare. But we're excited about the fact this morning that we believe that we serve a God who heals. And, and we, last week we prayed over three uh, people at the uh, invitation. We didn't pray a magical prayer. We didn't spook. We didn't uh, do anything crazy. We prayed specifically, though, for God to heal. Now, we understand this, and we talked about this a little bit last week. The word healing in our vernacular, in our culture, we, we oftentimes uh, equate it strictly to physical healing. I couldn't, my feet, I couldn't, now I can't, right? Uh, with David, my my hip, I couldn't, now I can. With Lindsay, my ankle, I couldn't, now I can. And certainly that is an aspect of healing. But this morning, the word healing is a much broader, uh, com uh, compassing word. It brings in a lot more than just the physical aspect. There's emotional healing. Anybody ever been through something and you needed some time for emotional healing? Uh, I can remember back in high school, you know, every time... Every time you get a new girlfriend in high school, you had to go through emotional healing. Lord, help me. Every time. I'm not looking forward to those days with my two daughters. Emotional healing with boyfriends. All that good stuff. There's spiritual healing. 
hey, I'd be foolish to think this morning that I'm not preaching to some people who have been through spiritual valleys, who've been in situations, maybe even with spiritual abuse. And this morning, there's times that we need spiritual healing. Ultimately, we know that the ultimate spiritual healing was our salvation through Jesus Christ. And then one day we mentioned last week that there will be eternal healing. And the only true healing is that day when we're face to face to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord and we're ultimately healed with Him. However, this morning, this passage told us to call for the elders of the church. And I want you to know this morning, and I want to reiterate this morning as our introductory point this morning, that you are not alone and that we are all in this together because by God's grace and in God's plan, there is leadership in this church who wants to spiritually, emotionally, physically pray for, help, come alongside, support, and love. That is our role. That is what we want to do. And so I want you to know this. While none of us ever in leadership ever would come and try to claim some position in your life or try to claim some sort of influence in your life that's not biblical, we do want you to know today that we take our leadership positions very seriously and that you never have to walk through something alone. All that to say, we understand that oftentimes it's up to the individual to reach out to church leadership. Um, I don't know about you, I'm not the first one to pick up the phone and call somebody and share everything that's going on. I'm not the first person to do that. My wife's definitely not the first person to do that. But I do want to encourage you that you have a team of people that humbly lead, that humbly hold the positions of leadership in our church, and that we are here so that you don't have to go through life alone. But secondly, this morning, and the new information. That was kind of last week. Number two this morning, we're all in this together. Number one, we're together with church leadership. But number two, we are together with church accountability. Get ready. I'm just warning you. We're together with church accountability. Look at verse 16. Look what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Therefore, Confess your sins to one another. I must admit this morning, church family, that this is a little bit of an uncomfortable and difficult undertaking. I dare say this morning, if I can be uh, so bold, that some of us struggle to confess our sins to the all-knowing Heavenly Father who already knows, right? much less confessing our sins to one another who don't know. I would say in my life that I struggle enough acknowledging and confessing my sins before my Heavenly Father. I think it's funny, by the way, that we struggle with that. It's like the parent of the toddler who sees the chocolate chips all around the mouth of the two-year-old and ask the two-year-old, did you get in the cookie jar? And the two-year-old goes, no. No. I'm good, bro. These are from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> um, 
I think God sits back, and if I were God, and I'm glad I'm not because this world would be different and it wouldn't be good. I think God, if I were God, I'd sit back sometimes and be like, what? Like, are you serious? Like, you're not, like, I see it. I know. I, I'm all knowing. And you won't just come to me in confession. And that's a difficult thing to do. But can you imagine not only confessing to the one who loves you infinitely, but confessing to people that you're not sure if they really love you. They're human beings that struggle just like you do, just like I do. But I believe this command, by the way, this imperative to confess to one another is a parallel verse to Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2. Once again, James and Paul coming together in the New Testament. Galatians chapter 2 tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You see, James says, you should confess your sins to one another. And Paul says, hey, you should be ready to bear the burden of another person. It's a two-way street. It's a perfect combination. It's the complete cycle of this. We must first be willing to confess to others. And secondly, we must be ready and willing to receive that from other people and bear one another's burdens. Both of those are extremely difficult undertakings. To possess the humility, to get to the stage of your life where you can say, Aaron, I need to, here's the, here's the phrase, I need to confess something to you. I need to confess something to you. And it may not have anything to do with Aaron. By the way, this verse says nothing about people that you have wronged or that have wronged you. This is just like in your life, there should be confession. Aaron, I need to confess something to you. That's a huge step for someone to take. But it is an equally huge step for Aaron to say, okay, as your, as your brother in Christ, I'm here to bear this burden with you. And what does bearing the burden with you look like? Bearing the burden with you would look like a prayer time together. It would look like um, phone calls and text messages to, to continue that relationship of, of how God is, is, is working in that specific burden or that specific confession that you made to someone else. This looks like mature Christians helping other mature Christians become more mature in Christ. This looks like people who legitimately care about other people, helping other people become more like Christ. And in turn, possessing the humility to ask for help and to confess a fault or confess a sin to one another. There have been times in my life, and, and this is difficult for me, but there have been times in my life where I know there's been issues and I know that I need to verbalize it. By the way, you need to verbalize it more than you think you do. And I think Jeff could 
could uh, attest to this. I know if Steve were here today, he could attest to this, that uh, several months ago, I came to those guys and said, guys, I need to confess something to you. I have been really struggling in this and this and this as it relates to leading our church and being who I'm supposed to be. And I really need your guys' help. And what that blossomed into was text messages and phone calls that have continued on to this day of checking in. Hey, I'm just checking in on you. How are you doing? Just checking in. And that, that is exactly what it is. It's being willing to say, hey, Jeff, I need to confess something to you. And it's Jeff being willing to say, okay, I'll help bear that burden with you. I'll, I'll call you every week. And we didn't discuss that, but that's about what this is bloomed into multiple times a week. A steady relationship of, hey, I needed this in my life, and hey, I'm going to provide this. And folks, let me just say this. That is what a church family is about. Listen, you can attend church anywhere you want to, and you can slip in and sit in the back and come in right when the, the music starts, and you can leave as soon as we say amen before we do announcements and before anything else. You can slip out, and you can come get your Jesus fix, but a true local church is about bearing one another's burdens. It's about confessing to one another. And this morning, I know it's difficult. I know it's not easy. We've discussed this in Connect Group in the past. I know that there's some steps that have to be taken before this can happen. I know there needs to be trust before this can happen. I know there needs to be a relationship built before this can happen. I understand that there, need, that there needs to be um, a commitment to secrecy oftentimes. There needs to be that accountability there that, hey, you can come to me and I'm not going to go to Tim and Blabbit and I'm not going to go to Laura and Blabbit and I'm not going to... There has to be that trust level there. There has to be that respect that's earned. And I understand there's many things we could talk about today to get there. However, let me just say that our goal and our aim for this church is that there are people all over this area that would say, I am willing to humbly take that step and say, Hey, listen, there's something in my life that I want to confess to you so that you can bear this burden with me. So that you can bear this burden with me. You say, Josh, does that really happen? It actually does. You say, Josh, have we developed that in our church culture since we've started? Honestly, we actually have. There are people here today and people that are not here today that may be watching online right now that they have either reached out to me or my wife, or in some other way I found out about the connection that was had. And there have been legitimate people that have said, listen, I'm struggling in such and such an area, and I need some help. I'm confessing this to you. And we've said, we want to bear that burden with you. We want to bear that burden with you. And can I say, if we lose that as a church, then we will lose what I believe is a unique thing in, in 2020 in churches. I believe it's very unique in churches for people to have the connection to where I'm willing to go to Shane and Sherry and say, I need to confess something to you as your pastor. I want to confess something to you because I need you guys to bear this burden with me. By the way, it'd be wise for a younger pastor who, oh, maybe parenting a couple of teenage girls in a few years. Oh, to maybe go to parents of teenage girls a few years ago and say, I need to confess something and I need you to help me bear this burden. Because that burden's going to get big. That burden's going to get difficult. And I don't know what to do. It's confessing. It's bearing.
And this morning, we need to do both, by the way. Church leaders, spiritual leaders, you don't need to get caught in always bearing other people's burdens and never being humble enough to confess your sins to one another. Step on my toes a little bit, right? And then, honestly, those of you that, can, that, that would be eager to confess your sins to one another need to develop the spiritual maturity to be able to bear the burdens of another. By the way, if, if you find yourself over long periods of time in your life always being the confessor and never the burden bearer, maybe you need to reassess the way you interact with other people because you, you need somebody that would be willing to say, hey, I, I want to confess something to you. I need some help. We're together. We're all in this together. Together with church leadership, together with church accountability. I'll be preaching in our This Is Us series on spiritual accountability. Spiritual accountability. We're going to be going through some things. But thirdly this morning, I want us to see this. Together with church membership. Together with church. We're all in this together. Together with church membership. And I, I tried to keep the, the uh, titles of the points kind of, you'll see where I'm at. Look at verse 16. Go back to verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. He's speaking in the context of the church here. Pray for one another. Does that mean that, that Josh, you're advocating that I only pray for the other members of this church that have completed starting point and the follow-up visit? No, I'm not saying that. But I am saying that one of the values of church membership is praying for one another. One of the values of church membership is that we're all in this together. And the word is intercessory prayer. The word is Keith going to God on my behalf and Kristen going to God on Christy's behalf. Make sure you get the names right. I want God to make sure he knows which one is which. Make sure you spell it right, too. Uh, every Christy, you know, is C-R, not C-H-R, right? All right, cool. Praying for one another. We need to become a church full of intercessors. Intercessors. Uh, if, I, if I may, since we started in our church, there has been either physical need from day one, or spiritual need that our church, I believe, has made intercession for since the first day we ever met. There have been either spiritual needs or physical needs that we have interceded for. And let me just say this, don't stop. Continue. Kevin, if you don't mind, for a year, year and a half, I believe this church, there was a lot of intercession on Kevin's behalf. And can I say, by the way, that shouldn't stop. And listen, as we, as we have been interceding on the behalf of Carson, we should continue to intercede on behalf of Carson. And by the way, the rest of people who maybe you don't have anything that's like public and out there as a need, by the way, we still need other people to intercede on our behalf. To intercede. To go to the Lord on behalf of. God, I'm coming to you. This is what intercession looks like. God, I'm coming to you today with nothing for me. I've got nothing on my plate this morning to, 
benefit myself. God, I come to you today for Mike and Sharon. God, I come to you today for them. And God, I'll be honest with you. I don't know a specific need. I don't know anything right now that is pressing. But God, I come to you today on their behalf. And God, if there is a pressing need that I don't know about, God, would you meet it? Holy Spirit, would you bring peace and comfort to their family right now? God, would you be with the students in our in our church that are going to be once again going back to a unique school environment? God, would you be with families and be with those who maybe work outside of the home and this is now, God, I just want to intercede on behalf of our students. That's what it looks like. It looks like coming to God on behalf of someone else. Pray for one another. May we be a church full of intercessors on the behalf of our fellow followers of Jesus this morning. But lastly, and I believe importantly, I, I, I did not expect this point to flesh out the way it did in my study, but it did. Together, we're all in this together with church leadership, with church accountability, with church membership. And lastly, together with church righteousness. Look at verse 16 again. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Once again, that's a completed healing. It's not just a physical healing. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Verse 17, he, I believe, gives an illustration of the righteous person. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Our aim this morning should be righteousness. Our aim should be righteousness this morning. And by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been given positionally that righteousness, but we need to live in that righteousness, and we need to make that righteousness who we are. You remember the identity series at the beginning of this calendar year. We need to live in that identity. James tells us here at the end of his letter that there is, uh, there is great power in the prayer of the righteous person. That there is great power. And by the way, this morning, when we speak of God's sovereignty and we speak of God's providence this morning, that does not mean to speak to the fact that God does, cannot be moved by prayer. And by the way, if you're ever around a preacher or a teacher that would preach God's sovereignty so much so that God has no need of answered prayer or no need of hearing prayer, then you've gone too far in your theological leanings. Because God answers prayer. And there is great power in the prayer of a righteous person. Great power. I believe God hears. I believe God answers. I believe God is moved. There's illustration after illustration after illustration in the Bible of God being moved by the prayers of people. But James tells us here that the prayer of the righteous person has great power. And I'll be honest with you, when I, when I hear that, I say, man, am I, do I qualify? Am I that righteous person? Like, am I the one that God says, 
let me tell you something. If you need some, if you need some prayer answered, you go see her. She gets prayer answered. Hey, if you want to hear, if you want someone to pray for you diligently, hey, go see him. God hears that and answers that prayer. And I ask myself, am I that righteous person? And I actually really love the illustration of the Old Testament prophet Elijah. James speaks to Elijah getting his prayers answered, praying that it would not rain. And for three and a half years, it did not rain. And then praying that it would rain. And then it rained. Uh, we also remember uh, Elijah as he, as he prayed uh, over the altar in his showdown with the prophets of Baal. And fire came from heaven. But you know what we also need to understand about Elijah, the righteous man, the illustration here? Is that soon after that showdown with the prophets of Baal, where do we find Elijah? Depressed? Sitting under a tree? Asking to die? On the verge of suicide? Mental health? difficulties for sure a righteous man yes a perfect man no a righteous man who spoke on behalf of God as a prophet yes a struggling man who sat underneath the tree asking God to take his life yes and to me that was a comfort Understanding this man, Elijah, and understanding that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James decided to use Elijah as his illustration. He was a man with a nature like ours. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope. And may I make this quote so that we understand just because we are righteous in our standing okay, and who we are in Christ, we are declared righteous does not mean that we are perfect in our practice can I give you some scripture to back that statement up just because we are righteous in our standing 2 Corinthians 5 21 for he has made him who knew no sin to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's who we are in Christ. We have we have obtained the righteousness of God from the day that we put our belief and trust and, and, and repented and believed for salvation. We have been given the righteousness of God positionally. However, that doesn't mean that we are perfect in our practice, and I won't read all of it. Romans 7. Paul. Hey, the good that I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, those are the things that I keep doing. This was Paul. Hey, listen, just because you're declared righteous positionally does not mean that you practice righteousness 100% of the time. That's called the struggle of life. That's the flesh. That's the spirit versus the flesh. We won't get into that. We've preached on that in our identity series as well. But using Elijah as an example of this righteous man whose prayer has great power. You know what that tells me? that we could have inserted the name of uh, John Yeomans. And Christy could come up this morning and spend hours telling us how he's not perfect. And so could John. When the prayer of a righteous man has great power. And the prayer of a righteous person 
You might not think of yourself as that, but you've been declared righteous by Christ through His blood. And the prayer of a righteous person avails much. I believe that's the King James. Has great power. That's why you should possibly look at a different version. All right, a great power. Great power. Prayer. Prayer that moves the needle of God's heart. Prayer that impacts God's healing. Prayer that brings transformation to people's lives. We're a family. The body of Christ, yes, the greater family of God, the universal church, if you want to call it that, the universal family of God, yes. But this morning we're speaking to the local family, the local church, the called out assembly of the church. We're family. And sure, we may have some crazy cousins. I think I fit into that uh, into that that mold. Or we might have an uncle or aunt or two, you know, they're like, Woo-hoo. Um, I lead that group. Not everybody's perfect. Everybody's different. That's why I love our church. If everybody looked the same, talked the same, act the same, and dress the same, it's called a cult, and you should run. Alright? I like the fact that we're different. But we're together. One of our core values, we're together, but not the same. We are in unity, but not necessarily in unison. Some people got that low note. Some people got that high note. Some people are on the lead. I'm somewhere in the middle. But together, it's harmony. Unison, man, that gets all dun, 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 dun. But we're a family. We're the body of Christ. And may I conclude this morning by saying, if you name the name of Jesus, we're commanded in James to not only confess our sins in First John, and he'll be faithful and just to forgive us because he's already forgiven them, but James says we should confess horizontally. Can I challenge you today, church member, to lean on a brother or sister and say, listen, I need some help in this area. Hey, it could be, it could just be, listen, there's been something that's been nagging at me in my spirit. The Holy Spirit won't let it go. And I just feel like I need to, I need to confess something to somebody. I don't necessarily need weeks of follow-up. I don't need this. I just need to, I feel like I just need to tell somebody something that I struggled with. Maybe that's all you need to do. Church members, can I also say, would you be willing to be that shoulder, that ear? Would you be willing to be the person that picks up the phone when it rings and says, hey, I'd love to bear this burden with you. And if it calls for it, hey, I'd be willing to call you every month and check in on you. I'll send you that text every week. Sure. Oh, you, Okay, yeah, let's talk through it. We can do this. Yeah, we can set up this sort of accountability. I'd love to do that. I'd love to bear your burden with you. Why? Because life is better together and because we as a church are in this together. We're family. And family takes care of family. I didn't have brothers or sisters growing up. I was an only child. I don't really understand. Man, I'm thinking of the Kenny boys right now, Mike. I don't really understand that dynamic of we can call each other whatever we want to call each other. 
and we can beat the mess out of each other. But if somebody else, that's family, right? And you can say what you want to within the family, but if somebody from the outside comes in, it's fighting words. Listen, that's what it is. It's family. It's family. And today, may we commit to being the church family that we need for each other. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media ministry and outreach ministry of Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and all around the world. Visit keystonerdu.church to get involved.